The Truth News Network. Fake news, circular logic, disinformation, outright lies. What do you do when the truth goes underground? Well, here, let me get that door for you. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. You know what? There's no doubt the truth lives underground in this nation, at least in the political blogosphere. (laughs) We spend all our time trying to dig it up, find ways to get it out in the public. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. That's exactly what we're going to do today. Hey, do you feel like me just pretty much every day? There's something new out there, some kind of travesty that's been going on for a long time, but we're just hearing about it? Months later, sometimes years later, we've got some of that this morning on the show. We've got a bunch about President Biden, Hunter Biden, the Hunter family syndicate. It's all glued together. And guess what? This is one of those things. It's in our rearview mirror. It didn't just start. It was revealed back right before the 2020 election. And of course, yesterday we played you sound bites in which President Biden said, absolutely in no way did I have anything to do with anybody in those governments over there, and I'm sure my son didn't either. I know nothing about his business dealings. And I'll just sum up, I'll summarize that whole debacle before we get into it here in a little bit. Horse hockey. (laughs) You know what horse hockey is. What President Biden said is exactly that. He's in this up to his eyeballs. It's not like he needs another thing to worry about. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be dismissive or I don't want to disparage any president of the United States, but I'm not sure he knows what's going on from day to day about things in his own life. And he's out there taking care of things in my life, in your life, and those of us that are Americans and a few million people that are in our country that aren't Americans and are here illegally. We're going to get into that as well. Well, anytime, anytime you want to weigh in, want to ask a question, want to comment, I'd love to hear from you. All of our listeners would. Toll free, give us a jingle. 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's an easy way. 1-866-378-7884. And we have a lot of things to talk about today. Anytime. You're always welcome to join in here at TNN Live. So as you know, the president early this week, he released his $5.8 trillion budget that is full of socialist-style policies. New economic data. In the wake of that, new numbers are out, folks. And it shows that inflation is hitting average Americans' wallets with an estimated additional cost. Listen, I mean, an everyday average American, nothing's changed in your life. You got, maybe you got a raise, but pretty much the same income. Prices are going up. We all know that. But economic numbers, new ones, I mean, real numbers, say that your family is going to spend $5,200 more this year than you spent for the exact same things a year ago. 
Now, through most of his lengthy administration, a little over a year, Biden has been adamant that inflation, what's that word they used? It's transitory, and it's going to go away. That's what transitory means. Well, economic policies, he said, were not his fault. It was somebody over his shoulder. It was COVID God. Dr. Fauci led the the charge and all of the spending that had to be done under the previous administration, as President Biden always says, my predecessor. And then, of course, now he's blaming Vladimir Putin for our inflation, as if the Russian president has anything to do with that. So inflation, we won't point fingers or get into that. There's no answer that we can come up with. Actually, I think you're pretty sure, and you figured it out for yourself. But spending $5,200 more this year than last for the same stuff, that's $433 a month more. So economists, they try to argue that excess savings built up over the pandemic and increases in wages are going to cushion those costs. You know, you got a thousand or two, so that's going to make up for $5,300 of spending that you're going to have to do this year that you didn't have to do last year. Is anybody going to stand up and take responsibility for any of this? Do you think a president of the United States should ever stand up and take accountability for any of the problems, the negative things that happen? We haven't seen that in a while, have we? This president has never done that. In fact, he's never in his lifetime that I can see or hear or find on the internet, he's never taken responsibility for anything bad that happens on his watch when he was a senator. And he had a lot of responsibilities and he was involved in a lot of things. I promise you, I don't know the specifics, but I promise you, the guy messed up. He made some decisions that ended up doing some bad things, causing problems. I've never seen him take accountability for anything he's ever done. He's pretty good at blaming somebody else, though. That's what he does all the time. According to a lady named Lydia Syed of Gallup, she said inflation began rising as a public concern last fall after being a non-issue for Americans throughout 2020. That was Trump's last year. It's more top of mind than it's been in over three decades and appears to be taking a toll on all Americans' broader economic confidence. The $433 a month estimate, it's a lot higher than the $296 a month that was reported by the New York Post. That was three weeks ago, folks, and it's risen because of new inflation reports. It's risen over $100 a month in three weeks. What does that tell you? Bet your bippy it's going higher before it gets better. Who's at fault for this? Is it Vladimir Putin? Well, is it uh, is it those evil CEOs of our oil industry? Hmm. So Democrats have, they found a novel idea. We can't blame Trump for this. You know, he wasn't involved in this. He got energy independence. 
the last year of his presidency, but we don't want to give him credit for that because that would be giving him credit for anything that was good. So a bunch of Democrats, guess what they want to do? They announced that they will be summoning to Capitol Hill the major oil company CEOs to get to the bottom of the big rise in the price of gasoline. Who are those guys? The chief executives of Chevron, Devon, ExxonMobil, Pioneer Natural Resources, and the president of Shell USA and British Petroleum, BP America, are all expected to come in and testify. We're going to get to the bottom of this. These evil oil companies, they're the ones raising these prices at the pump and they're pocketing billions on the American people. This is what the Democrat leadership said yesterday when they announced this. Fossil fuel companies are not doing enough to relieve pain at the pump. Instead, lining their pockets with one hand while sitting on the other. It's time we get to the bottom of why oil companies are content to watch Americans suffer so that their shareholders and executives can reap enormous profits. Unfortunately for those pushing this idea that oil companies are intentionally starving us of oil, on the very next day, a massive coalition of climate change alarmist groups released their report that's titled Banking on Climate Chaos, Fossil Fuel Finance Report 2022. Now what's in the report? It actually contains the news that the four largest U.S. banks shrank their financing for fossil fuels by nearly 15% between 2019 and 2021. This, however, it's not treated as a sign of progress, but as a sign of banks dragging their heels in getting out of the fossil fuel business. So, how does that interpret to what we're talking about right now? Those evil oil companies. Well, guess what? Banks, when they go drill, do you know, let me, let me just give you an example. Um, Haynesville Shale, for those of you in the South, you know that Haynesville Shale was a discovery uh, of, of amazing gas deposits, natural gas deposits below every square inch of ground in Northwest Louisiana, Northeast Texas, and even Southwest Arkansas. It's just really, really deep. 15 to 18,000 feet down. And it involves directional drilling. In other words, they drill straight down and then they turn 90 degrees and go out in an angle to get that natural gas. One of those wells, drilling and completing, cost about $20 million. $20 million. And typically, when a project like this is initiated, they don't just go drill one well. They'll drill a package, and usually a package is three or four. In fact, I have a good friend right now that is working on doing a four-drilling Hainesville Shell project that it's going to cost close to $100 million to drill and complete those wells. Get the gas online. So these oil companies obviously are heavily involved in this because that's what they do, right? So... You think they just have a hundred million here, a hundred million there to just pull it out and go pay for these drilling projects? No, historically they finance it. 
But the climate change activists have been pushing for two years now, stop lending them money. Stop lending them money. And so what do the oil companies do? They can't go find new natural gas resources. We all know about the Exxon, XL uh, pipeline permit that Joe Biden pulled. That feeds into this, but it's not directly responsible like the supply of oil and gas that we have here in the United States that's our stuff domestically produced. So these companies, well, you know, the president of the United States, he doesn't like what we're doing. Uh, He wants to shut us down. He makes it very clear. He wants the fossil fuel industry to be totally obliterated. So we're just going to turn to doing what we do without increasing what we have to do it with. They're not drilling. Plenty of resources underground. They're not drilling. They're not planning. You don't just go, hey, I think I want $100 million. I'm going to drill four Hainesville shale wells. And then go do it the next day. You have to do land leases. You have to have geologists come in and point you to the right places where there are gas deposits oil deposits underneath the surface of the earth and then roll the dice and go get it. That's exactly what it is. It's a it's a very strategic and specific type of rolling the dice in Las Vegas. Not every well, by the way, hits. That means when one of these wells doesn't hit, something happens, 20 million, gone. But that's something that uh, this administration doesn't understand, doesn't care to understand. Fossil fuel companies are not doing enough to relieve pain at the pump. Folks, they're in this, not just because they're nice people, but because they're a company, a company that was created to go out and provide goods and services to people across the United States and these folks around the world. And to do that, They have to spend money to buy the products and provide the services that they they have to give to the people to make them revenue from which they pay massive numbers of dollars in taxes. They don't want to talk about that on the Democrat side. They create tens of thousands of jobs that are obliterated by this president and all of his policies. So instead of going to the White House and sitting in the Oval Office with the guy who can, with one or two phone calls, make this whole problem go away that he singularly created himself, instead of doing that, why don't we get these people up here and let's blame somebody else? After all, we have an election coming up in a few months, November. It looks like we're going to be obliterated on both sides of the Capitol, maybe not so much in the Senate, but we're going to get slaughtered in the House. We've got to do damage control. Let's find somebody else we can blame for all of this, and we'll get out and campaign and spend tens of millions of dollars not doing our job, but trying to convince Democrat voters that it's the other guys, the other people that are doing this. Typically, what we call that in my world is doubling down on stupid. And that's exactly what's going on. Exactly. 
what's going on. So let me give you an example of doubling down on stupid. You know who Sonny Hostin is. She's one of the hosts of The View. Of course, it's one of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> I hadn't watched the, the View and gosh, I don't know how long. I don't even know what time of day it comes on. But nevertheless, they have an audience. They're on ABC. The View's been around a long time. She is one of the co-hosts. Now listen to what she said yesterday on her show. President Joe Biden, according to Sonny Hostin, should govern the nation through executive orders because he can't build consensus with insurrectionist and crazy people. <laughs> so what does that mean, folks? Let me interpret what Sonny Hostin meant. She's African-American. She's female. So anybody that doesn't agree with her has to fall into some class. You know, we do this class warfare. We do identity politics because we're Democrats. We have the authority, the sole authority to determine the worth and the value of anybody and everybody. She made a good point when she said this. He can't build consensus. But she said... He can't build consensus with insurrectionists and crazy people. I'm not either one of those. And he can't even begin to build a consensus on his political agenda with me. So Whoopi weighed in. Whoopi Goldberg, co-host with Sonny, said in a recent New York Magazine interview, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez warned Democrats they might be in trouble going into the midterms. She thinks they're still in the game. But the president and moderate Democrats need to stop thinking they can return to an era where a backroom deal with the GOP could be reached because that kind of thinking killed the Build Back Better bill. Do you agree? Then guest host Tara Sutmeyer said, No, this is the absolute wrong lesson that Democrats have learned from what had happened in the last year. The country's not left of center. We are a moderate country. Independents dominate the electorate. And it is swing districts that make a difference. It's a five-seat margin right now in the House of Representatives. And historically, it looks like it's going to be a bloodbath for Democrats if they don't turn things around. And I'm telling you what these women are saying, and I just committed a horrible faux pas when I used the sexual term women, but they are. Whoopi added to that mess she just, she said that I just gave to you, but she added this. She also wants President Biden to rule by executive order, which is not how our system works. Hostin interrupted, oh, but he has to do that. Setmeyer said, no, he doesn't. Hostin said, you can't build consensus with crazy people. You can't build consensus with insurrectionists. You can't do it. Class warfare, identity politics, supremacist. Oh my gosh, Dan, only white people can be supremacist, right? Not necessarily so. Anybody can be that way when they feel like they have the authority to label anybody and everybody else that disagrees with them and their, their opinions as insurrectionist and crazy people. 
but they're Democrats. I forgot, forgive me for even talking about it. They can do that just because they're Democrats. Now, Joe Biden has a 900-pound gorilla sitting in the room with him in the Oval Office, probably sleeps with him, certainly on Air Force One. There's plenty of room for that big gorilla on there. What is it? It involves his son, not Bo Biden. I don't know if you've heard the president announce it, but Bo Biden passed away from brain cancer. The president doesn't like to talk about his other son, but he talks about Bo every time he gets involved in a conversation about somebody having a loss, especially losing a loved one at the hands of some criminal. He brings up Bo. He never talks about Hunter. Well, the conversation that that 900-pound gorilla brings to the room is all about Hunter. But not just Hunter. Joe's in the mix. You know, Joe, the big guy. We've got a bunch on that next. Stay tuned. Real Truth, Real News, TNN, the Truth News Network. Welcome aboard Pizza Hut, where our legendary pan and stuffed crust pizzas will fly you to a world of flavors. Taste an all-American pizza sauce, juicy pepperoni, and farm-fresh mozzarella to discover America's mega pepperoni. Or explore the creamy pesto sauce, chicken and mushrooms, and the French creamy chicken mushroom. Fly far above the rest and taste of variety with five new pizzas. And thank you for flying Pizza Hut. on and on. Léa du Temps Perfume, the classic French fragrance that you can wear anywhere, anytime, makes you unforgettable. Léa du Temps Perfume by Nina Ricci. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image or from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Talking about Hunter Biden, the younger son of the president, all the stuff that he's been involved with internationally using his dad, that's all Hunter had to give. And I hate to say that. I don't want to denigrate Hunter Biden. First of all, I don't know him personally, but I know him professionally. I know because of all of the extensive coverage of pretty much everything he's done for the last 10 years or so, just because of his father. 
And I would be willing to bet you there have been a lot of times where Hunter wished that he wasn't his father's son or that his father wasn't a U.S. senator for all those years that Joe was and certainly not the president of the United States now because it keeps Hunter in a whole lot of trouble, much of it not even of his own making. Now, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about this mess that is happening with his laptop. First of all, let me just point something out. There wasn't just one laptop. There were two. We haven't even heard about the other one and all of the information that was on it. But the infamous one that has all of the emails and the videos and the pictures, that it was left at a computer repair shop by Hunter in Delaware, left it there, didn't ever come pick it up. So the shop owner figured out he might need to find out what's on the hard drive because after it, any piece of equipment hadn't been picked up for so long a period of time, by law in Delaware, it becomes the property of the store. So he popped out the hard drive and he began to look at it. And when he found the contents were of international importance, and especially when it involves the son of a sitting president of the United States, even though this was right before the election happened, but he felt like, I need to get this in the hands of people that are over this kind of stuff, you know, like the FBI. And so he did just that. He gave it to the FBI. Months went by. He didn't hear anything from the FBI. He made some phone calls. They didn't respond. So this is in the middle of all of the election craziness following the 2020 election. He reached out. And he passed it along to the former mayor of New York, heavily involved in the Trump campaign, Rudy Giuliani. Then some of the contents of this hard drive became made public and the whatever you want to call it hit the fan. And it's been doing it ever since. However, the media lapdogs out there that they bow and whim and bark when they're told only about what they're told by their Democrat minions, when it became public information that this laptop is out there and the media began to talk about it, conservative media like Newsmax, One America News, uh, the New York Post, and of course Fox News, they weighed in on it because it had credible verification that it really was Hunter's laptop. The left, they just basically said, It's Russia disinformation. It was a plant. It's not real. It was stolen. Russia created all that stuff, which is stupid, but it's what they were doing. And it's been that way now for more than a year, but little bits of information, additional information keep coming out. And that cried for exposure. It cried for transparency. And of course, you remember last year, Miranda Devine, an investigative reporter for the New York Post, wrote a brilliant piece, a story, and released it. And the left, en masse, went absolutely crazy. But she included evidence, documented evidence. And then she uh, released a book that even gets more exhaustive. Though it soared to the hop of the New York Times bestseller list, the left have never acknowledged that there was anything going on until this week. And 
the FBI came out and said, uh, <laughs> the contents of this laptop are genuine. And when they said that, the media world went crazy. Now, you would think that because the New York Times, who poo-potted in the very beginning and denigrated Miranda Devine for putting it out there, the information in her story and then the book, they're the ones that came out this time and said, begrudgingly, this thing is real. Well, CNN then said, hey, 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 guess what? Even though we screamed and hollered and we blamed this all on Donald Trump, Trump always does anything that makes the Democrats look bad. It's something that he did, right? Even though we said all that, we're admitting it's real. But they stop right there. They stop right there. Now they're getting into what parts of it are meaningful. Well, I got to tell you, I've not seen it all, but I've seen a bunch of it. And it, I, it, I, it's not, it's anything but meaningful to me. It's nauseating, as a matter of fact. The contents are reprehensible. It's hard for me to believe that anybody would get involved in any of the stuff that Hunter Biden was in. And I'm not talking about the financial wrongdoing. I'm not talking about the political wrongdoing that involved his father. I'm talking about what he did with women and girls on camera that are taped and are there. It's reprehensible. It's nauseating. All that being said, there are some really strong political ramifications that involve the President of the United States. Instead of me going through what what it is, uh, Senators Grassley and Johnson, Ron Johnson uh, from Wisconsin and Senator Grassley from Iowa, they headed up an investigation into this And they've done some exhaustive investigation that came up with some amazing findings about the content, the actual content and its ramifications on our government and this president. Last night, Sean Hannity had the two on and they went into the details, the actual details, facts, evidence. Rather than me kind of roll it out to you, why don't we let them? Here now with more are the senators. They are behind the key report detailing Hunter's shady finances. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, along with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. Uh, Gentlemen, great to see you both. I'll start with you, Senator Johnson, if you can explain, you know, what we now know. Is there anything in my monologue that you heard that is not true? And what else are you learning as you dig deeper into your investigation? No, Sean, you laid it all out. And of course, we've known this. Those of us that had inquiring minds, we've known this for you know, close to two years now. It was obvious Hunter's laptop was authentic as soon as we started seeing the information from it. But the media has been complicit. You know, here's a few more details. Hunter Biden knew exactly who he was dealing with. You know, he called uh, Patrick Ho the spy chief of China. Uh, he, he knew that uh, uh, Devin Archer uh, was involved in a, you know, he was in, eventually he, we proved that he was involved in a fraud against uh, Indian tribes. He was convicted of that. Devin Archer met with Joe Biden in the White House in April 2014, right around the exact same time within a couple of days when Devin Archer became a board member of Burisma. A few weeks later, uh, Hunter Biden became a board member. So this is an enormous, uh, tangled web 
uh, of, you know, a vast web of uh, financial foreign entanglements. And we've known this all along. And as Tony Boblinski said, uh, Joe Biden is compromised. I, I think it's pretty obvious he has to be. Cancels Nord Stream 2 pipeline. He cancels the China initiative, which is the DOJ investigations into the universities of, of uh, Chinese stealing our intellectual property. So no, this is incredibly dirty, but the mainstream media has been complicit. They've been covering it up. And what the Washington Post learned from its Nixon coverage is when you've, when you've been caught covering things up, you do a modified limited hangout. That's exactly what the Washington Post did. They're not revealing all the information. This is minimal information for the American public. They're just covering their you-know-whats. You know, Senator Grassley, in your report in November of 2020, which we covered extensively, you pointed out over the course of your investigation into how Hunter Biden would use his father's position and name to enrich himself and his father, uh, and the fact that in these emails from this laptop, we now can confirm that Joe Biden benefited financially from it. Also, Joe Biden lied to the American people when he said he never had discussions with Hunter about his foreign uh, business dealings. Uh, you tell me, Senator, this is not our first rodeo uh, in, on issues like this. That sounds like pay-to-play corruption to me. Well, we have bank records that back up everything that is in the laptop, and they very clearly show that uh, there was these... Uh, uh, bank records that tie uh, uh, Hunter Biden directly with people in China, business people in China that are directly connected with the Chinese Communist Party and the government and to some extent maybe the military and the intelligence service. So there's no doubt about it. But the really sad thing is the media should have been doing their job in August uh, of 2019 when I started this investigation. And instead, what they were doing was peddling the information that the Democrats were putting out is that we were peddling uh, Russian disinformation. And now we know it's the Democrats and the media that was backing up were the ones peddling the uh, Russian disinformation. And could you imagine, Senator Johnson, if the last name of Hunter happened to be Trump? Um, in your report, as you have gone forward, and what you said earlier uh, this week is that you discovered, you and Senator Grassley, uh, that money from the CEFC, which is effectively an arm of the Chinese government, was went directly to Hunter Biden. Now, there's a shopping spree involved. There's $5 million involved. Uh, a billion five deal with the Bank of China. I'm not sure why they wouldn't go to Goldman Sachs or or Deutsche Bank or uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and a real company because I don't see any experience he had. Uh, but these have ties directly to the chi communist Chinese government, does it not? And military? Yeah, absolutely. And remember, Xi Jinping, the uh, chairman of uh, CEFC, he just went missing. You know, CEFC, it's a multi-billion dollar oil and gas company, just kind of goes poof. That, that doesn't happen with a legitimate company. That, that's a company that's controlled by the, the Communist Chinese Party. And let's face it, just, you know, five million, a million, three and a half million, four million dollars from Burisma. We're up already over 13 million dollars. For what? what? What qualified Hunter Biden from getting all that money for Biden, Inc.? 
his name. He was influence, influence peddling. This is the sleaziest thing uh, that uh, I've seen, certainly in politics. And, you know, I want to really thank Senator Grassley for his tenaciousness in helping me investigate this. We've been a pretty good team. Uh, by the way, Sean, we both have tough re-elections. We need a lot of help from your audience. I'm, I'm Ron Johns for Senate.com. Chuck is Grassley Works. Com, and he does work hard. All right, uh, here, if you want to get the, all this stuff exposed, we need some help. Senator Grassley, this is the main question. Joe Biden lied when he said he had no knowledge of his son's foreign business dealings. Now we know that's a lie. Now the question is, uh, as it relates to Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and China, uh, is it possible we have a president of the United States that is compromised, that they have personal information potentially blackmail information about Hunter Biden, former crack addict, a guy that frequented prostitutes, uh, and that might compromise his ability to deal with these countries? Is that a fair question, Senator? It is a fair question, and at this point, it's a question with me, but every American ought to keep it in the back of his mind, as, as particularly as our government is dealing with the Chinese government our number one competitor uh, in the world and a number two economy in the world. And I think it's legitimate to th raise that question. Uh, I wish I could say absolutely yes, but for somebody to say that over the years, that eight years of being vice president and also then uh, being out of office but still having the Biden name and the prestige of that, that, uh, that you never talk this with your family. That's just like my son and I are in farming. We talk about farming all the time. Exactly. Same question, Senator Johnson. Um, is it, now, we learned that Libya had a dossier, and they knew all about Hunter Biden's issues. Let's put it, I'm being kind. Uh, isn't it likely the communist Chinese and the Russians and the Ukrainians and all these other countries have a dossier of dirt on Joe Hunter Biden and the rest of the family syndicate? Because I would say that puts them in a position of potential blackmail. Is that right? Yeah, Sean, we may not know all the details, but I tell you who does. Russian intelligence, Chinese intelligence, Iranian intelligence, North Korean intelligence. You know, my guess there are elements within our intelligence department, uh, our intelligence community that know as well. They're just not going to tell us. They're not going to tell the American public because there's corruption in the deep state. Chuck and I, we, we asked for information from Gina Haspel. She wouldn't even return our phone call to tell us why she wouldn't respond to our legitimate oversight request. So it's a very deep state. It's pervasive. It's, it's filled with liberal leftists. And that's one of our big problems in this country today. Well, if that's true, then that means we have as a country, a potentially a compromised president, potentially uh, his family subject to blackmail of some kind, or they have some leverage that they hold over them. You know, one thing I learned a long time ago, and um, I, I can't even tell you when I learned it. Maybe in part as a kid, the older I got, I've understood it more. And so I really avoided it the best I can. But anytime somebody defends by deflecting, and I'm being kind when I say deflect, what I'm talking about is covering their A's and keeping things that are truthful, keeping them hidden. Anytime they do that, and when they do it in a demonstrative fashion, almost every time, they really are involved in what they're denying. Deny and deflect, deny and deflect. This president 
has been doing just that every single time in his campaign before he was inaugurated and then since being president, anytime anything about this is mentioned, he never even gives a remote possibility to his son being involved in this stuff, like he knows everything his son does. Come on now, folks, We're, we're adults. We know that our kids get away with things that they hide from us. We can't possibly know everything. And when you're a vice president, which he was for eight years, he had a pretty busy schedule, so he was even less available to have conversations with his son other than those they obviously had when they flew all over the world together on Air Force Two. They went to Ukraine. They went to China, went to China again. And we find out that while they were there, I guess it's incidental to Joe being there and being vice president, they made some amazing financial deals. Well, they didn't do it, Joe says. Just so happens Hunter was on the plane with me and he had an opportunity while we were there to do a little business while I was doing the government's business. Horse hockey. There's my term again. Horse hockey. So here's the question. What's going to happen? We just know little bits and pieces that we know that are factual. We've known for a while that this was real, but getting into the details, the devil's in the details. I've heard that phrase all my life. In this particular case, it really is. And the details are now coming out. There's a presidential election in two and a half years, two and three quarters years. I don't think Joe Biden is even thinking about running again. But that doesn't matter. The nation will be choosing a president. Do we want to put someone else behind Joe Biden of the same mind, coming from the same background, looking at the world in the same eyes, thinking and blinking and forgetting about corruption and just going and doing what's best for you and your family? Do we want that kind of thought process? Or do we want a real leader? Harken back to the early 70s. Richard Nixon was president. Richard Nixon was very plugged in. He had been a vice president. He was very, very plugged in. He was involved in a lot of things, including business things. But he was a domineering man, and he could not bear to think that he was not going to be able to win re-election. And so he armed people to go and break into the offices of the opposing candidates. Watergate, you've heard the term all your life. Watergate, Watergate, Watergate. Well, Nixon wasn't impeached. But here's what people in his own party did. They went to him and said, Mr. President, it is very obvious that you covered this up, that you lied about it. And it even gets worse, and it probably will get worse if you don't bow out in this particular case. They're going to impeach you rather than be impeached we recommend that you resign from office. I promise you, I promise you, Joe Biden is facing that very thing right now today. If he has some people that he surrounded himself with, and we know there is a group, we don't know who's in the group, we have some ideas that 
It includes Barack Obama, his wife, and also his director of everything when he was president of the United States. Those people are close around there. If some one of them or several of them have any inkling of trying to protect the good name of Joe Biden, they need to convince him he needs to step down. I promise those conversations have been happening, are happening, and the sooner he does it now that all of this is out, if he keeps going the way he's going, folks, he's going to be under oath in front of a Senate, United States Senate, testifying and the House will have already passed articles of impeachment against him for this and whatever it turns out to be involved with it. If he doesn't want to go down that road, Jill needs to pick up the phone tomorrow morning and call Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, and Chuck Schumer and say, hey guys, Joe's had a health incident. He's not going to be able to finish this out. Joe Biden is stepping down. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Welcome aboard Pizza Hut, where our legendary pan and stuffed crust pizzas will fly you to a world of flavors. Taste an all-American pizza sauce, juicy pepperoni, and farm-fresh mozzarella to discover America's mega pepperoni. Or explore the creamy pesto sauce. Chicken and mushroom is in the French creamy chicken mushroom. Fly far above the rest in taste and variety with five new pizzas. And thank you for flying Pizza Hut. of a beautiful song lingers on and on. Léa du Temps perfume, the classic French fragrance that you can wear anywhere, anytime, makes you unforgettable. Léa du Temps perfume by Nina Ricci. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. just want to point something out. Twice now this morning when we've been talking, obviously people want to weigh in, express their opinions. We've had three phone calls coming into the studio while I was on the air speaking. Hey, just do this. We want to have you. We want to hear you anytime you want to weigh in. When we're not talking, when we're in commercial breaks or something like that, 
that's the time to give us a call. We don't have somebody sitting in the next room like Limbaugh did and and of course Sean Hannity does today. We don't have somebody taking phone calls and putting information up about what the call's about for Sean or in the case of Rush Limbaugh when he was doing it uh, so they know what's going on and who's on the call. Be patient. We want to hear from you. So uh, just kind of think it through. If, if I'm talking on the phone, I can't take a phone call at that minute because I don't know who you are and what you're calling about. And, uh, you know, I guess if this show keeps growing like it's growing, we may end up getting to that. I'm sure we will if, if uh, volume dictates that we go that route. But that's all up to you folks. It isn't up to me. We just keep trucking, doing what we're doing every day, and we're going to keep keeping on doing that. Dagan McDowell. Does that name ring a bell with you? Dagan. I like that name for a woman. Oh, that's sexist for a person. (laughs) I like that name for a person. Anyway, she's on Fox Business and frequently on Fox News. And yesterday, she weighed in on this, uh, the details of this Hunter Biden laptop that I thought were very important for you to hear and listen to. We're not going to let this thing die because this is probably the greatest travesty of any administration in the last 20 years, at least known travesty. And it's going to get bigger and it's going to get uglier. And now that the legacy media has actually acknowledged that its contents really are real, it's about to go crazy. Listen to this back and forth with Dagan. Florida Congressman Matt Gates pressing FBI officials about the whereabouts of Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, he did not receive a strong response. Watch this. You are the assistant director of FBI Cyber. I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. I mean, Hunter Biden's password on his laptop was Hunter02. He drops it off at a repair store. I'm holding the receipt from Max Computer Repair, where in December 2019, they turned over this laptop to the FBI. And what now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI Cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. This as Republican Senators Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson highlight additional evidence of financial relationships between Hunter Biden and the Chinese government, saying that they now have a receipt that shows he received $100,000 from Chinese oligarchs. We know that Peter Schweitzer has already reported many times that the Biden family has taken $31 million from Chinese officials tied to the Chinese Communist Party. And Dagan McDowell, we bring this up repeatedly because now we are actually feeling the effects of influence peddling in real time, forcing us to question Joe Biden's decision-making on Russia, Ukraine, and China, three countries where his family received many, many dollars, tens of millions. It it appears as if that certainly Biden incorporated and all those working inside that corporation, if you will, just thought that this story would go away because you had Twitter and other large technology companies running cover for this family. And just the the fact that the New York Times finally printed 
its own confirmation that the laptop wasn't Russian disinformation, but belonged to Hunter Biden. Now they, the, they're struggling. This family is going to continue to struggle and those in government because this story is not going away. And now that they will, and the spotlight's back on the FBI and also the tax investigation into potential malfeasance and criminal activity by Hunter Biden. So the the top has come off that can and now everybody is looking inside to see, well, the dog food that is the doings of this family. Well, it's not just that this story is not going away, Nancy. Uh, Peter Schweitzer is expecting an indictment to come soon of Hunter Biden. And he said, he told me on Sunday Morning Futures a week ago, that he thinks that's the reason that the New York Times is forced to admit this is real because they expect an indictment coming as well. Yeah, well, and he's been right um, all the way through and ahead on this story, uh, along with um, Miranda Devine. So I, I do think it, it's it's sickening. Um, the level of incompetence at, at justice and FBI or the level of cover-up, I, I think is historical. And uh, I, I find it, as everyone does now that they're following the story more closely, it's very troubling, especially given the geopolitical environment that we're in. So I, I hope they continue to pursue. And I think Chuck Grassley being in the mix is interesting to me, um, unexpected somewhat. And I think that goes to the importance of the story and what they know. It's interesting her comment there about Senator Grassley. Again, he's from Iowa. He's in his late 80s, early 90s. I'm not even sure what age he is. But he has a lot of respect on Capitol Hill from both parties. And the fact that she would bring it up, that he is involved in it, and that is a big deal to her, it should be for everybody. And, of course, their contention is this story's not going to go away. Let's hope that it doesn't. But here's what we're going to do. We're not going to beat a dead horse. We're going to move on. But just keep this in mind as new details about this Hunter Biden slash Joe Biden family syndicate debacle, more information, more details come out. We're going to stay on top of it because this, as I said, probably is the biggest corruption thing ever in any presidential administration. And folks, that brings into play and consideration a lot of corruption in previous presidential administrations. What is it built around? Here we go. We'll go back to the Bible. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. Basically what we will do, humans will do, because we love money and we want more of it. So we'll circle back in upcoming days, but let's move on. How about let's trip across the continent and go to Ukraine? Did you hear what happened yesterday? Not in Ukraine, but in Washington, D.C. U.S. General Todd Walters admitted in a congressional hearing that President Biden's strategy, you know, using the term that he liked and then he didn't like it, deter President Biden's strategy to deter Russia from invading Ukraine, General Walter said it failed. His strategy to deter Russia from invading Ukraine failed. Walters was speaking during testimony before the House Armed Services Committee. 
He made the admission in response to questions from Representative Mike Gallagher, a Republican from Wisconsin. Gallagher didn't reference Biden by name, but he questioned the general about the effectiveness of our effort to deter Russia's invasion without using military means in the months coming up to the invasion before it actually happened. Gallagher asked him this. He said, you as a combatant commander felt that you were part of an interagency effort intended to deter Vladimir Putin from invading Ukraine? Walter said, yep, deter and dissuade. Would it be fair, General, to say that deterrence failed in Ukraine? This is Gallagher asking him. General said this, number one, I would say that NATO's solidarity remained. He started his response with that, the general did, but he got cut off by Gallagher, pressing for a direct answer to his question. I can't argue with your conclusion, Walters finished. In other words, I'm not going to say the president's policy failed, but you just said it, and I'm not going to argue with you about that. Remember this. Let's get something straight, Biden told a reporter who pressed him on this issue um, last week, I believe. You remember if you covered me from the very beginning? I did not say that, in fact, the sanctions would deter him. Sanctions never deter. You keep talking about that. Sanctions never deter. Kamala Harris, she indicated the opposite. When she was asked whether she thinks sanctions would deter Putin back in February, VP Harris said, responding to the question, absolutely. We strongly believe, and remember also that the sanctions are a product not only of our perspective as the U.S., but a shared perspective among our allies. And the allied relationship is such that we have agreed that the the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because yada, yada, yada. And she just goes on and on and pontificates. She's trying to justify, you know, I can blather a lot. I'm a lawyer, former attorney general of California, senator. I need to say a lot when I absolutely could say just yes. (laughs) And then Secretary of State Antony Blinken. In an interview last month with CNN, he said, the, and I'm quoting him, purpose of the sanctions in the first instance is to try to deter Russia from going to war. Jen Psaki doubled and tripled down on stupid. She affirmed that the purpose of Biden's sanctions was to have a deterrent effect. Sanctions can be a powerful tool, she said. They have been in a lot of moments throughout history. And what we view them as, or how we're viewing them as we're starting high, as Dalip just conveyed here in terms of the significance and the severity of the sanctions that were announced today, yes, our intention is to have a deterrent effect. I'm just thinking about it. I just thought about this. Jen Psaki had COVID. They announced that last week. I haven't seen her. I've watched little tidbits of a couple of presidential White House briefings, and she hadn't been at the podium. I hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. Well, this regime change thing, Joe Biden threw it out when he said what he said the other day about this guy needs to be removed. When he's talking about Vladimir Putin when he was over in Europe speaking at 
I don't know if it was NATO or the UN or which group he was in front of when he said it, but I believe he was on the streets of um, Warsaw, Poland, and he said that in a speech. And, of course, he's denied ever meaning that. You know, we can't kick another nation's leader out of office. You know, not like we did, uh, what's his name, and in, oh, uh, crud, what is that, Northern Africa. I can't remember his name. Anyway, we took him out. He was the president. We took him out. Nevertheless, Back in the United States, a host of 60 Minutes went off script yesterday to call for the people of the U.S. to change the regime and reinstate former President Donald Trump, calling him a partner of Russia. Now, this is Russia's 60 Minutes, Russia's version of 60 Minutes. And this is the host. I can't pronounce the name, so I'm not going to try. It's time for us, our people, to call on the people of the United States to change the regime in the U.S. early and to again help our partner, Trump, to become president. You can imagine <laughs> what our legacy media went nuts about that. This came on the heels of Joe Biden's message for the people of Russia to remove Vladimir Putin from power. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never erase the people's love for liberty. Brutality will never grind down the will to be free. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refuse to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. That was off the teleprompter the other day when Biden was speaking in Warsaw. He continued, we will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light of decency and dignity of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power, Biden concluded. And of course, when he did that, oh my gosh, everybody back at the White House started scrambling like roaches. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We got to cover it up. The White House went into damage control mode. It seems likely they spend most of their time there clarifying whatever the president's point of the day is, right? His point, we were told, was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors or the region. Of course, that's not what he said, but they want to put that out as what he meant. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime change, which is exactly what Joe was discussing. I mean, Lindsey Graham, who is, he's on my blacklist right now, but he even said something a couple of weeks ago that probably hit the nail on the head better than anything that's come out of this administration. It's time for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. Yeah, we don't have the power of the authority to do it. We have the power, but we're not going to do it. But somebody in Russia could. And wouldn't it stop a lot of this craziness that's going on over there if that happened so when all this came out on joe it was all over social media i'm looking at a laundry list of tweets and text of people that are going off on their opinions of what joe biden actually meant when he said it but the bottom line is folks we don't have in our white house we don't have a person there with the ability to lead us out of this mess to do the right thing in Ukraine. 
All we're doing is throwing more money against it. Yesterday, Joe Biden, big deal. Ho, ho, ho. I'm going to give, I talked to President Zelensky on the phone and I'm giving the Ukrainian people another $500 million. Boy, we love the Ukrainian people so much that we're sending them money. But the problem is the whole nation is devastated. Banks aren't even open. And what could they buy? Can you go buy a a gun sufficient to blow up a tank or shoot down a jet? No. I guess he could go to Afghanistan. I think we left some some of that stuff over there that he might could buy. I'm just joking about that, but we could do that. As a matter of fact, you remember all that stuff they got from Bagram Air Base that Joe left behind 80 plus million dollars worth of stuff. Was it 80 million or 80 billion? It was 80 something. It was a lot of money and a lot of equipment. M4 rifles, you know what those are? Those are the military version of an AR-15. Looks the same, acts the same with one exception. Those are the ones that really are fully automatic. The week after we pulled out of Afghanistan, the next week, you could go into a pawn shop in the streets of Afghanistan and buy those M4 rifles, fully automatic rifles. That just popped in my mind. Zelensky has from the very beginning never asked for money, not one time. He's never asked for us to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. Never, not one time. Every time he's called and talked to or takes a call from a foreign leader, what's he asking for? Give us the weaponry so we can beat Russia ourselves. And what specifically has he been asking for? Give us air power. Give us air power so we can control the space over our own country and stop these marauders from Russia. Nobody, with the exception of Poland, has stepped up and said, here we are. They had a bunch of MiGs. That's what they use over there, Russian-made MiGs. And the Ukrainian pilots, that's what they were taught on. Poland, understandably, didn't want to be pointed to as the provider of these high-powered, very sophisticated jets because what they would do is they would obliterate a lot of Russia's stuff on the ground and in the air. And they don't want Russia to come invade them because they just made these available. So they came up with a great idea hey, here's what we will do. We'll take all these MiGs down to Germany, to the air base down there that the U.S. has, and then the U.S. can make a determination of how we make those available to Ukraine. And, of course, when they did that, Joe Biden said, nope, we're not going to go there. Next phone conversation with Zelensky, the one after that, the one after that, what is he asking for? Give us military assistance. Give us the ability to defend ourselves. We don't want your money. He hadn't said that. But he hadn't asked for money. Even when he knows he's getting it, he's asking for military equipment. Let us have enough equipment to keep Russia from coming into our airspace. $500 million. What does that bring our total to? We've now given them 
$2.5 billion, and I'm sure they need it. I mean, their nation is obliterated. They're not even thinking about rebuilding now. They're thinking about surviving through this debacle that didn't have to happen the way it did, but nevertheless, it, it's out there and it's happening. And it looks like, even though we were told two days ago, hey, don't get excited, but it looks like Russia's withdrawing. They're trying to find a way to save face in doing it, but they're leaving the country. Minutes later, we find out they were wrong. They were just reloading. Some of them went to Belarus to get more equipment. Some went into Russia to do the same thing, but they're hard back at it today. In that phone call, Biden promised Zelensky an additional $500 million in aid. He informed Zelensky that the United States intends to provide the Ukrainian government with $500 million in direct budgetary aid. And they later clarified that the $500 million was new funding. It comes in addition to the $800 million in what they term security assistance announced by the White House on the 16th, two weeks ago, which brought the total committed to Ukraine in the past week alone to a billion bucks. Now we have allocated a total of two and a half billion in funding. That's all you're going to hear from this administration about, look what we've done. Look at the help that we've given to Ukraine. They're not going to talk about the fact that we hadn't given him anything he asked for. We haven't given him anything that they need. What we do in the United States is we're the United States of America, so we determine what's best for everybody on the planet. When we're asked to help out, we'll take a look and look at it ourselves. We'll get around a table and come up with our own thoughts. And let me tell you how they do that. They get around that table just next door to the Oval Office in the White House. They do that. These big-time military leaders, they get with the president and the vice president, two of the most brilliant military minds in the world, right? Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So what did they all do? They put their heads together around this big table and all of their heads in the room together, if you put them to use, they would all be nothing but a big rock pile because they don't come up with any ideas that work. It doesn't apply just to Ukraine. It applies to the fact that they are defanging our military. And Joe's budget? He stripped millions of dollars from our military. Now, there is a slight increase, but nothing like what is necessary. I don't have the details in front of me, but included in his budget, there's money for like six new Navy ships. That sounds amazing. But during the same time period, we're, de, we're, re, we're taking 26 naval vessels out of use. So we're shrinking our Navy, Joe Biden is. Similar things happening in the Air Force across the board. Like I said, these are the people that make those kind of decisions. They're around the table making a decision about what to do with and for Ukraine. They make a big rock pile and nothing else. Zelensky by himself has more knowledge about war. And he came to the presidency as a comedian, folks, a stand-up comic. He's going to go down in history as one of the greatest, most fundamental military and presidential leaders in recent history. 
if we would just give him what he needs instead of throwing money at it, give him what he needs, I think we'd see difference happening very quickly in Ukraine. Military people, people that have not been in a wartime situation personally, there's no way you can make a call on what's best or what we should or shouldn't do. It just doesn't happen, folks. You don't learn about war. You you can hear about something, about anything, but it's totally different if and when you're involved in it. And you've been through it once or twice or three or four times and not just war games. The real thing, where you're in a trench or you're on the back of a tank or flying over or on a ship and the enemy's shooting at you, trying to kill you. You know a lot more. We need some of those people in the room. I don't think we have that. And Ukraine is paying the price. Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan spin-free news from the world. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships, like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. George Orwell said freedom is the right to tell someone what they don't want to hear. Today, that's called the truth. At truthnewsnet.org. Here's Dan Newman. Just in case you forget it, you miss all or part of a show, you can always go back and grab them. You can go right to the, the homepage of That Day's Story that's published at truthnewsnet.org. Scroll down at the bottom, That Day's Podcast as it is called once it's no longer a live broadcast, you'll see it down at the bottom in a link form, and all you got to do is uh, click on it, and you can go right to a show. After that, you can always go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, TuneIn Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and of course always at Facebook on my Facebook page, D. Newman ACS. You can always get them. They don't cost anything if you're if you're already a member. You've got an Apple iPhone. You've got an Apple account automatically. Spotify the same way. iHeart the same way. Uh, but we just don't want you to ever miss them because we want you to be tuned in and clued in on everything. We're at a time, folks, where we just can't afford to not have the facts that we need to make good information available for decision-making. It applies not just to your business life, but every part of your life, your family, your kids. Do you do you know, and you hear the, the uh, printer in our studio going off, do you know that kids in this age in which we live 
They see and hear and digest far more information than we ever could. Think about that. They're inundated with all kinds of media on their iPhones, on their iPads, on their laptops. They have instant 24-7 access to everything because everywhere you go now, you've got Wi-Fi. And it makes it harder for mom and dad to stay on top of exactly what the kids are looking at and what they're doing. Um, That's a tough situation. But it's something that we parents, we have to be knowledgeable of and stay on top of it. You know, the other big thing that's going on right now that doesn't get a lot of mention until and unless it becomes some kind of individual national horror is what's going on down at our southern border. And it's really it's really a bad situation. Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee, even though he's not in a border state, he is a proponent for getting everything down there straightened up. And yesterday on the floor of the House, floor of the Senate, I'm sorry, he uh, had the podium and he argued that this administration has directly created, unnecessarily by the way, the greatest national security crisis that we face as a nation. And how's he doing that? How are we doing that? We're collapsing our southern border with immigration policies and that if Title 42 is rescinded, which we're told it's about to be, Title 42 is that order that allows the administration to turn any and every illegal that comes across the border, turn them around and send them home immediately because of coronavirus. And that's made a huge change and a reduction. Even though our immigration numbers have gone through the roof, they would be much, much, much higher if people knew they weren't going to be turned away. Haggerty said the Biden administration has created the greatest national security crisis that we face by collapsing our southern border when they came into office. This is a travesty that's occurring there. And today, if they allow this Title 42 to expire, that means this onslaught is going to continue. We'll see a massive new wave of illegal immigrants coming across the border, along with more fentanyl, more drugs, more human trafficking. This has been a tragedy of epic proportions. The Biden administration is precipitating this directly. And I expect that if they allow Title 42 to expire, We're going to see once again another wave, another bad wave of immigration coming across this border in an illegal fashion. So what are the folks along our southern border saying? Well, it may come as a surprise to some of you, but not to some others of you. More elected Democrats that are representing America's border communities are now pleading with this president to enforce Trump-era border controls to protect their constituents from a massive wave of this pending illegal immigration. We've already had a million, already had a million that have come in that have been caught at the southern border coming in. That doesn't include the gotaways. Those are the ones that we know because of electronic surveillance that came over and we couldn't find them. We got a million of them. Think about what's going to happen when Title 42 goes away. But more importantly, think about what Democrats that are from these southern border states, that they're saying this. And I laughed. I laughed because they, Democrats, southern Democrats, 
or asking Joe Biden to enforce Trump-era border controls. Yesterday, several of the Biden officials spoke anonymously to the Associated Press, and they said that the administration has plans to end the CDC Title 42 order that gives these immigration agents broad authority to quickly return any and all of these border crossers, if they want to, to their native countries. As a result, Biden's gang, they're admitting that about half a million border crossers and illegal aliens are expected to show up at our southern border every month. Did you get that? They are planning. They know this is coming. Hey, we're going to have six million invade the nation at our southern border. Illegal aliens. Is that not a conundrum that needs to be resolved? Novel idea. Stop it. Stop it. Just enforce the law down there. That's all you have to do. Do what you promised Americans you were going to do when you were elected. Enforce the law. Support the rule of law. Half a million a month. That's what they're forecasting. In a letter to Biden's top immigration officials, Democrat Representative Henry Cuellar and Vicente Gonzalez, they joined House and Senate Republicans representing Texas to urge the administration not to end Title 42. They said in the letter, we urge you to consider the dangerous impact rescission of the Title 42 order would have on our communities at this time. It says, and I'm going to give you the details of the letter because it's important to know, Democrats are asking this from the Biden administration. Quote, since January 2021, DHS has eliminated measures designed to deter migrants from undertaking the dangerous journey to the southwest border. We strongly urge that DHS retain Title 42 authority until appropriate deterrent measures are put in place to ensure the federal government facilities and local communities will not be overwhelmed by a sudden increase in migrant apprehensions. Finally, at the current level of cross-border migration, Homeland Security currently lacks adequate capacity to even process and detain all migrants apprehended along the border under its Title VIII authorities. A report published by the DHS Office of Inspector General in January found that Border Patrol stations in the Rio Grande Valley were overcrowded and that the high volume of apprehensions limited the effectiveness of COVID mitigation measures. DHS's practice of releasing migrants with a so-called notice to report or otherwise releasing them on parole may have reduced the time they are held in detention at Border Patrol facilities, but likely acts as a pull factor for even more migration. It imposes substantial cost on local communities and is an inappropriate substitute for taking measures to construct adequate facilities and reduce the overall number of migrants crossing the border. Let me put this in context. Well, wait a minute. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a little summary. There's um, a couple of more things that I want to say about some of the people that are speaking up about this, but I'm going to do a little summary. 
when we end this segment. A leading candidate for Arizona governor. Can I say this? A female. Um, how, how would it This person's name. <laughs> we're, we're going down this road. I mean, Disney's taking us down this road now. You can't call somebody a woman or a man. They. A leading candidate for Arizona governor says they would declare their state under invasion on their first day in office and would send armed troops to seal the border from illegal immigrants. This person's name is Carrie Lake. You can't tell if it's a female or a male. It may be neither, right? Carrie Lake is a Republican and I'm going to go ahead and be politically incorrect. Carrie is a woman. She has been enforced by Donald Trump. She laid out her plan yesterday in an interview with Just the News TV show. She was one of a couple of Republicans to voice concerns that the border crisis begun by the Biden administration is about to substantially worsen because of Title 42 withdrawal. We already have a tsunami at our border with this invasion, she said. But it's going to be nothing compared to what's about to hit us when the Title 42 is pulled away. Reported earlier this week, Customs and Border Protection has already warned again to expect irregular shifts in schedules, including holidays and weekends, and that overtime may be authorized as necessary because of the ending of Title 42. The governor wannabe accused incumbent Governor Doug Ducey, who's a Republican, by the way, of not doing enough and said that he needs to get troops down on the border. If elected Governor Lake said that she would issue a declaration of invasion to protect Arizonans from imminent danger, under that declaration, the Arizona Republican, the paper, the big paper there in Phoenix, said she plans on sending the state's National Guard to the border and allowing the service members to arrest and send back illegal immigrants. It's pretty simple. You protect your people. That needs to be done. And right now, our government's failing on that, she said. And she's talking about bringing some of the Border Patrol control to her government and to their state. I have wondered, I hear the Texas governor, I hear him, and every once in a while I hear the Arizona Governor Ducey, I hear them talking about southern border problems and threatening to do this or that. Here's the problem. I, I, I can predict what's going to happen if she, get, if she gets elected, if Carrie Lake gets elected and she tries to do this, what's going to happen? She's going to get thumped by the Biden administration. Why is that? Constitutionally, the United States federal government has the sole power of controlling immigration, 100% of it. And so if a governor wants to protect his state legally, he can do that. But if it gets into border patrol issues and control of the southern border, the Biden administration has the legal right to step in and intervene and stop that from happening. Now, reasonable people would ask, why would Biden do that? He would, uh, he would reduce the personal responsibility of the federal agencies down there that are doing a poor job because they're overcome Why wouldn't Joe Biden sit down with those governors? We're not talking about a whole slew of governors. We're talking about California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Four states. Most of the illegal immigration 
happens in Texas. But nevertheless, get those governors to sit down and come up with a joint venture plan. Hey, federal government, we have the the responsibility and it's overcoming us. What are the things that we can do jointly to stop this? I mean, wouldn't that be a smart thing to do? It would make sense. It would tell people across the nation, finally, we're talking about enforcing the rule of law. We're going to quit thumbing our noses at the laws that have already been passed in years, even when Joe Biden was in the Senate, that he's ignoring now and telling everybody to ignore them. We're going to get past that. We're finally going to say we're going to support the rule of law. Even, listen to this, even if you're doing it just to help the Democrats in the midterm elections, those people down south are doing and are willing to do anything and everything that's necessary to stop this. President Biden, your inactions are directly impacting the lives of tens of millions of Americans. I remind you, we have the numbers from the Texas Department of Safety. In two years, 600,000 federal violations occurred at the hands of illegal immigrants in Texas. They were caught, they were charged with 600,000 incidents of wrongdoing. And those incidents of wrongdoing, they included breaking and entering, driving without a license, DWIs. It also included felony theft, and it went all the way up the spectrum to first-degree murder. 600,000. How many more, if you add in California, Arizona, New Mexico? How many more? And I'll just say this. All of those that happened, while Joe Biden's been president since January 20th of 2021, it's his responsibility. Whether he wants to accept it or not is another story. I doubt that he will, but it is his responsibility. Now, yesterday, you're not going to believe this. Somebody else, very prominent, stepped in about the southern border debacle. Former President George 42 Bush. 43, Bush 41 and Bush 43. Yeah, okay, his dad passed away. George H.W. Bush is Bush 41. W. is Bush 43. So he decided he'd come out of hiding and he met with illegals to promote an amnesty and legal immigration expansion agenda. Now that's a very novel idea. Let's come up with a way to make all this go away, right? Well, he snubbed angel families. Who are those? Those are some of those 600,000 that I just told you about. But the angel families are the families of people that were killed by some of these illegals that are flooding across our border. He, he, he thumbed his noses at them. He and former First Lady Laura met with illegal aliens Gerardo Casas, Rebecca Garolo, and Dip Patel. All of those are enrolled in former President Obama's DACA program, as well as mass migration advocates from Jewish Family Service of San Diego and the American Nursery and Landscape Association. I don't know why all these people were involved, but he met with them. 
Bush touted his efforts over the last year in lobbying Republicans to work with Joe Biden on not only passing amnesty for illegals, but also expanding legal immigration levels beyond the 1.2 million green cards and 1.5 million temporary work visas that are given out to foreign nationals every year. This is an issue that is dear to our hearts, he said. Most people realize the system is broken. Most people want to solve it for the sake of our security, our economy, and our culture. Take DACA for an example. We have all these young, talented people who want to create jobs, but it's hard to create jobs when you're unsure of your future, and reforming the worker program will relieve a lot of tension at the border. Angel family stepped up and said they've never been asked to meet with Bush about the impact illegal immigration has had on their lives. Angel mom Agnes Gibney, whose 29-year-old son Ronald Da Silva was killed by an illegal in 02 while Bush was president, she said she's tired of the political establishment's catchy and pretty phrases surrounding this issue. Where were the Bushes when my firstborn and only son Ronald was murdered? by a previously deported criminal illegal alien? Where was the concern and compassion for my family who legally immigrated to the United States? The fact is our immigration system has grossly neglected Americans and legal immigrants, she said. I challenge the Bushes to meet with me face-to-face and give me the same amount of time as they have given illegal aliens. Let me tell you what needs to happen. Every presidential candidate, every single one, when they announce they are going to be a candidate, they need to be confronted publicly as soon as that happens and ask this specific question. If you are elected, you will swear an oath to the United States Constitution and all of the laws of this land. You will say, you will swear that if elected, you will do everything in your administration will be to abide by the rule of law on everything. Yes, some of those laws you will disagree with, but as the president of the United States, as the head of the executive branch of government, constitutionally, you are required, you will swear an oath to protect and defend the Constitution and to enforce all of the federal laws on the books, even those with which you disagree. Will you agree to that now during your campaign? And if they say no, they need to be booted off the stage or their party needs to just humiliate them and drive them out of an election. And if we have another president, I don't care who it is, Republican, Democrat, or Independent, that makes that oath, takes it, and promises to do it and does as George W. Bush did, which is ignore federal immigration laws. Just flat out ignored them. And for that matter, folks, so did Ronald Reagan, one of my heroes. He gave, I forget how many million, but he gave illegals amnesty. That's not the call of a president, folks. It's not in the authority of a U.S. president to willingly break federal laws and suborn federal law enforcement by telling people that work for him, don't enforce that law. 
That is an impeachable offense. Did you hear that? That is an impeachable offense. And in my opinion, any president that does anything that is against federal law, they should be impeached and removed from office. My opinion. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, foam. I smell the... I, I smell uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Ah, uh, with Geico. Uh, sorry. Here we go, from the top. And action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. <clears throat> For over 70... <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky barbecue. Cheddar sour cream salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your left your wallet at home but now you have a new best friend the many flavors of lays chips one taste and you're in love let me ask you a question what do you think the people at the southern border border patrol customs ice what do you think they do about getting ready for this flood of illegals that they know is imminent they're about to see well they are getting ready but how do you plan on it i mean how do you know what to plan for? Um, who would know better than somebody with uh, Border Patrol? So why don't we check in and listen to what they are planning to do because they're confident Title 42 is about to be rescinded. Is that uh, this is a decision that we have long deferred to CDC. Title 42 is a public health directive. It is not an immigration or migration enforcement measure. So the decision on when to lift Title 42, we defer to the CDC. Um, that being said, of course, we are planning for uh, multiple contingencies. And we have every expectation that when the CDC ultimately decides it's appropriate to lift Title 42, there will be an influx of people to the border. And so we are doing a lot of work to plan for that contingency. I think you saw yesterday the Department of Homeland Security uh, did a briefing walking through some of the planning uh, that they're doing to increase efficiency, to ensure that we have the capacity, to ensure that uh, we are uh, operating in a way that's, uh, that is treating migrants humanely, fairly. Uh, so you heard from them yesterday on some of the planning that they're doing more broadly. Now, not specifically tied to Title 42 or, or an ultimate decision to lift it, but just more broadly to the work that they're doing to 
uh, to continue to build up our uh, migration system and ensure that we are restoring order at the border. I'm sure you've heard that woman's name that was just speaking. She was speaking yesterday at the White House press briefing. She is, her official title is White House Communications Director. She's Kate Bedingfield. She's actually Jen Psaki's superior. It's interesting. I've never, never seen her out there doing it. Of course, we know that Saki is, uh, she is off because she tested positive for COVID-19. She's been gone for longer than a week. I'm supp- I'm supposing, I'm inferring an opinion here, but apparently Jen got a bad case. All that being said, Bettingfield made it clear. The one thing I wanted you to hear is we know there's going to be a flood of illegals. We know that. And so we've got to prepare to be able to process them instead of saying, we will make sure that every illegal that comes across, you know, illegal, illegal, they're breaking the law when they come across federal law. Oh, we're the ones that are supposed to take them and hold them and make them responsible for that. And by prosecuting them for their wrongdoing, we're going to send a message. Don't come over here. Of course, that's not what they say. Just wanted to throw that in there before we left the immigration story. Bettingfield wasn't through when she got up on that podium. Are you familiar with the fact that the January 6th committee has uh, subpoenaed Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, demanding that they come before the January 6th committee and testify under oath and answer all the questions these hardcore lefties that are trying, they are struggling to make this whole committee be relevant in the scheme of American history, and they're failing miserably. They're trying to force unelected advisors to former President Donald Trump. They just happen to be his daughter and his son-in-law, Ivanka and Jared. So everybody thought, and in normal situations, when this kind of comes up, this thing comes up, the president has the authority to declare executive privilege over these people coming and testifying. Those are people that they have private conversations in the advisory capacity in which they serve with the president. All of that information is executive privilege. Folks, you don't expect any president to have every answer, every answer being right, the thing that is going to solve all of the issues that come before any president. They all have advisors, and they have conversations in which they throw out ideas. Sometimes the ideas that they throw out, probably most of the time, are rejected, but they reach a consensus and agree on a plan to move forward with. January 6th is demanding that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump come testify. The pair have said so far they've ignored the subpoenas. So, at Tuesday's White House briefing, this communications director you just heard, Kate Bedingfield, was handling a question when she called on CNN's White House correspondent, Caitlin Collins. After a couple of interrogatives on Russian forces in Ukraine, Collins turned to the matter of Jared and Ivanka. And here's what Collins said to Bedingfield. 
Jared Kushner is set to testify before the January 6th committee on Thursday, doing it virtually, the reporter began. Has the White House had any communication with him about whether or not you're going to waive any executive privilege claims that he could make? So Betting feels she leafed through that that, uh, binder that Jen Jen Psaki always brings to the podium. She appeared to read a prepared statement on the matter verbatim. And it said this, so obviously the president has spoken to the fact that January 6th was one of the darkest days in our country's history and that we must have a full accounting of what happened to ensure that it never occurs again. And he's been quite clear that they posed a unique threat to our democracy and that the constitutional protections of executive privilege should not be used to shield from Congress or the public information about an attack on the Constitution itself. And she concluded by saying this, and so as a result, the White House has decided not to assert executive privilege over the testimony of Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. So CNN's Collins, she wasn't through, wanted a clarity. And so she questioned whether the statement would be the first Kushner heard of the White House's decision asking, and have you communicated that to Jared Kushner's team, or is this a communication error? Bettingfield said, I won't speak to private communications between our attorneys and his. So let me, and, and let me tell you, the only reason I brought this out, I think executive privilege is very important regarding the things that I said earlier. Whether or not those apply here is it's uh, it's not in, in my purview, so I can't weigh in on it. But here's what I'm pointing this out for. They're coming a day, I promise you, when Hunter Biden and all that information that comes out, there will be reams of testimony and investigations, not just one. There will be multiple investigations into all this Hunter Biden stuff, principally because of the ties to an elected federal official that served 40 years in the U.S. Senate, eight years as the Vice President of the United States, and now already has served one as President. And when all of this comes out, and if and when there is some nasty stuff out there that anybody that's part of this charade, and it won't just be Joe, and it won't just be Hunter, It'll be a bunch of people. Do you think Joe Biden is going to exert executive privilege that the president has to shield people from appearing and testifying on any and all of that stuff that's going to happen and be revealed coming off of Hunter Biden's laptop? We already, we both know the answer. Sure, he's going to exonerate him. And I'll predict another thing. There is a very good percentage that Hunter Biden is about to be indicted. Not for anything to do with the stuff we're talking about, but because of IRS violation. The Delaware Department of Justice, Federal Department of Justice, has been investigating him now for, I think, two years regarding his taxes. And from what we are being told, it's some very nasty stuff that he avoided a bunch of tax liability. And it looks like he may be indicted. 
What do you think Joe's going to do there? If he's indicted and it ends up with a plea deal and what he's being charged with, and I don't know what the indictment specifically is going to say, but what he has been found to have done, it cries for jail time. So what do you think Joe's going to do if that happens? You and I both know he's going to pardon his son. That's the only reason why I brought this to you today. I wanted you to know this is in the offing. This is the kind of stuff that we are dealing with in America today. Instead of dealing with things to make the nation better. Wouldn't that be a novel idea? Let's just get together and come up with all the things that will make the nation better. Forget about all of the um, identity politics. Forget about all of the political narrative. Forget about all of the left and right Democrat versus Republican. We hate you. You're evil. We know more than you know. Put all that out on the table and say, look, let me ask you this. How bad does it have to get in the world? How bad does it have to get in the United States before we'll be drawn to the table to try desperately to find consensus so we can be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Do you think we can ever get there? We've been there before. Why couldn't we get there now? There's only one reason I can think of, and that is we're unwilling to sit at the table and listen to someone else's opinion on matters, share our opinions on the same matters, and find a way, either side not getting everything on that issue that they want, but finding a way to work through the differences and come up with something that even though it doesn't include everything I want, even though it doesn't include everything you want, the conclusion will be good for the nation, and so we'll agree to do it. You think we, could, we might could do that? There's no question in my mind that we could do that. Will we do that? Um, I'm not going to answer that. I know it would have to get into a really critical situation, maybe a, a pending world war, a nuclear attack pending on us, or maybe one that occurs for us to do that, to really dig in and find and work together to get something resolved. But I can tell you this, we're nowhere near that now. I want to end the day with addressing something that we normally don't hear here. Um, The Oscar situation that happened where Will Smith did the famous or the infamous smack, slap, whatever you want to call it. Well, it turns out that that Will Smith slapping incident, the left have said Donald Trump's tied to it somehow. I never have been able to figure that out. Now they've gone one step further. It's the result of white supremacy. Seriously, folks. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. That happened because of white supremacy that somehow permeates the very liberal, super progressive entertainment sector. Now, last time I looked, Will Smith's black. Chris Rock is black. Well, that appears white supremacy as the reason. That appears to be the conclusion of Forbes contributor Maya Nigel Hoskin, 
who writes for the news outlet in the diversity, equity, and inclusion category. I can't believe they have that category, but you can understand what I'm about to tell you would be there. Hoskins wrote an essay that claims in part, and I'm going to quote this because I would never come up with this myself. Some argue this is not about Will Smith and Chris Rock being black or Will Smith setting black people back. This is about a much larger systemic issue rooted in white supremacist culture designed to police the behavior of blacks among the who's who's in Hollywood and beyond. Respectability politics. I've never heard that term in my life. Respectability politics. Well, she says, respectability politics suggests that equity and fair treatment require that black people, both inside and outside of Hollywood, conduct ourselves in a manner deemed acceptable to whites. Furthermore, expressing any emotion other than complacence, apathy, or agreeance directly violates those norms, disqualifying black people from receiving the same equitable treatment that whites enjoy as a birthright. And sadly, there is a large group of blacks who have internalized this toxic messaging. Many observers maintain that the incident at the Oscars, which the Academy says is under investigation, can you see a scenario in which they're going to do anything egregious to Will Smith for that? Absolutely not. He is a tower of power in Hollywood as an African-American man. They're not going to do anything. But anyway, they said the incident was primarily the result of a, I love this, tawdry family dynamic in which an individual might feel emasculated by the highly publicized independent social life of his spouse. Comedian Rock, Chris Rock, the recipient of the slap, was only collateral damage. Will Smith believed he could reclaim his manhood in the eyes of his wife and the public by assaulting a much smaller man. One writer suggested that. Interest in, and thus viewership of, these typically self-congratulatory virtue signaling award ceremonies are steadily declining. Most of the world saw the Smith-Rock confrontation after the, the fact through social media. I'm one of those. I didn't watch it. I hadn't watched the Oscars in years, and I used to watch them from front to back. So in the meantime... Rock is winning praise for staying composed as well as refraining from any obvious follow-up jokes that suggested themselves in this situation. Parenthetically, fading serious XM radio host and Joe Biden fanboy Howard Stern, who used to invite the 45th president when he was a real estate mogul and reality TV host on his show all the time, claimed that Will Smith and Trump are the same guy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. In response to the Forbes article, the college professor seems to be getting schooled on Twitter. Here is just a sampling. Oh no, Forbes has an article by a critical race theorist who says white supremacy caused Will Smith to hit Chris Rock. Not a satire, it's real. While talking about Will Smith's behavior, don't forget to also talk about the system that helped create it. Another tweet. 
had a fr- had a friend jokingly say that we'd see an article like this come out. We had a good laugh about it. We're still laughing. Another, what complete nonsense. Unbelievable. I really don't know why diversity and inclusion consultants like you should be getting a dime for these hot takes. It's one thing if people want to give you money voluntarily, but the sad thing is you're likely getting tax dollars for this nonsense. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't end the show without you hearing the funniest joke I've ever heard from one of the funniest actors I've ever known to be an actor, Jimmy Stewart. This is a good one. Uh, The story is about the man and his wife sitting having breakfast, very nice couple. And uh, the man said, uh, uh, Margaret, no, it was the other way around. Uh, Margaret said to John, uh, John, uh, if I would die, uh, would you get married right away after my death? But John said, well, that's the darndest thing. I'm here, we, here's a beautiful morning, and we're sitting here having a nice breakfast together, and you bring up this terrible thing about death. I'm not going to talk to you. That's a terrible thing to do, Margaret. And, and uh, I forget about it, forget about it. But she didn't forget about it, and she brought the same thing up that night. And uh, he did the same thing. And then for about three days, she, she said, now, what, if I would die... Uh, would you get married? Uh, finally, he gave up, and he said, one night, uh, she said, if I would die, would you, would you get married again? He said, yes, I would. Now, no, is that settled? She said, uh, w- would you sell the house? He said, uh, no. I would, no, I wouldn't sell the house. She said, uh, uh, would you sell our bed? He, he said, no. No, it's our bed. I I, I don't see any reason why. No, I wouldn't sell sell the bed. She said, well, you certainly wouldn't let her touch my golf clubs. And he said, no. No, she's left-handed. Oh, my gosh. That was the age of really good humor, and you didn't have to demean anybody. I miss those days. I imagine you do, too. Hey, listen, folks, weekend coming up, make it a good one. Spend time with people you love. Listen to some music together. Maybe watch a movie together with your loved one. And just enjoy this one. Have a great weekend. For a while, to love was all we could do. We were young and we knew in our eyes. We're alive, deep inside we knew. Our love was true for a while We paid no mind to the past We knew love would last every night Something right would invite us to begin the day
Love you too, son. 